Kiora and welcome to the Machinist Therapy Hotline. We are open for business. I've just got to check. I've got my essential employees with us today. Tony Clauser. I'm here, sir. Good. Albert Rizinski. Present. Excellent. Shane Paul. Yo, yo. Perfect. And me, Jody Tuckwell, ready to answer your Machinist Therapy Hotline problems. Let's get on with the podcast. Jeepers creepers. Two weeks. Seems like a lot's happened in two weeks, gentlemen. True that. Uh, I think most people are probably sick of hearing about the, we shall not call it anything, but we know it's a virus. Um, So let's try and keep this upbeat and see if we can uh, delve into some stories and see what comes out at the end. What do you reckon? I sounds good, Jody, but do you know where that virus came from? China. <laughs> I knew you were dying to say that. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> uh, 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 oh man, of all the things. Oh dearie dearie me. <clears throat> so it's uh we, we, we put a couple of posts up, you know, since we had our conversation with Clayton and that was like I said, that was a couple of weeks back. And um, one of the things that we posted on the MTH IG was uh, about hobbies that got us into machining. And, uh, of course, the picture sort of led the pathway a little bit because, you know, we put a picture up of Lego. Um, but there was all sorts of different things on there that surprised me. One of the guys, uh, DJ Curry, said he... Uh, he eventually got into machining because he was fascinated by making movies. And I thought well, that's quite a different segue into becoming into an engineering background. Was there more to the comment? How, oh. how did movies parlay into machining? Good point. I should have probably prepped myself. I didn't have my <laughs> tablet with me. Hold on. Speaking of the machinist therapy post, did you guys happen to see Hillbilly Hank with his social distancing spikes on? I did. Yeah. Yeah, he was trying to keep people away for sure. I thought he, I thought he would mount it somewhere else, but he did a good job. <laughs> he did do a good job. I wouldn't normally say that, but he did do a good job. <laughs> it was very informative. I thought. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay, 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 okay. So, uh, DJ Calorie, uh, I wanted to make movies. My neighbor had a machine shop, and he had some 3D Max software. I wanted to make some slick animation. You also had SolidWorks. I ended up wanting to make some BMX parts and some car parts. I got a job at my neighbor's machine shop, and it went from there. So there you go. So he wanted to oh, make. Okay. He wanted to do animation, and in the end, he decided to design freaking car parts. By the sounds of it. Nice. Yeah, actually- I was just talking to him earlier too. What's up, Josh? Yeah. But the most people basically went down the road of, you know, they started with Lego. And I know when we've discussed how we got into manufacturing, most of us, you know, had a box of Lego in the corner or, you know, we're up in our bedroom and we'd make bits and bobs and that sort of got the, the creativity interested. Do you think Lego is still relevant today with the kids i don't know i don't get it i never did get it i didn't play with legos i had tinker toys when i was a kid but basically 
what I did was I had real farm equipment that I took out in the dirt outside and made perfectly parallel and perpendicular rows as I plowed through the dirt and turned my tractor and came back and crisscrossed and then dissed and then planted weeds. And that's what I did. I did not, I didn't like Legos. Well, Mr. So, Practical. Yeah. I was just going to say, so <laughs> I didn't realize you were, you were sort of farming back then as well. I, well, I lived on a farm for the first 13 years of my life. So I played with small farm equipment and then eventually started riding on the bigger tractors and the combines and, and baling straw and baling hay and, you know, all that good shit and watching pigs get their nose ringed and pigs get their tails cut off and yeah. cool shit like that. Yeah, that is cool. I want to I hear more about that. So when, how old were you when you was first allowed to sort of drive the tractor on your own? Oh, probably around the eight or nine. I mean, I rode on my dad's lap. He had a, a wheel horse uh, lawnmower and he had all the attachments you could possibly get for the lawnmower. We had a snow plow for winter. We had a, a basket that raked the lawn and the grass flew in the back and he made homemade wagons and we had go-karts and we had mini bikes. And I mean, we were one of those kids who were always outside and always had to come in and take a bath by the end of the night because we were filthy and mm. we spent it all outside. So, you know, you're not going to do Legos out in the dirt with a gravel. No, that's that's true. That's true. I must admit that's sort of that's how my girls are growing up. Not not yeah. plowing fields, but but basically they're outside all day, but all, like every day, and then at night they're absolutely wrecked, and they've got to go in the bath. And when they get out of the bath, the whole bath is basically brown because it's right. filled with mud. That that <laughs> means it was a good day, basically. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, but. I, I think I've touched on it before as far as getting into the machining thing was kind of an accident for me because I flunked metal shop almost. I got a D minus for stealing that guy's project. But, <laughs> you know, after riding motorcycles and then the guy saying, come over, this guy's going in the Navy. It, it, you know, luckily I did work in a motorcycle shop because one, I rode them. I rode mini bikes and when shit broke and needed to be fixed. And I just, it was really perfectly good timing for me to get steered that way because I started seeing how this shit was made and i start seeing how you know you could make anything if you knew how to learn how to run the machines there's machines that do everything whether you're cutting a spline on a shaft or you're putting the the, the spline in a gear or i mean it's just so much cool shit you can learn and it's i'm glad people opened my eyes to that because you know it was amazing and it's i still enjoy that that stuff today but i was never really you know steered towards it until you know after i graduated high school and was basically just looking for work but yeah i mean i i, I have you know nieces and nephews that play with legos and do stuff like that but i was a more in the in the dirt kind of kid mm. do you think though that lego is the that's the opportunity for kids to be creative when they don't have that opportunity to be outside all the time you know, maybe, but I, I'll be honest with you. When we first were introduced into Legos, I'm talking like into the 70s, it was pretty basic. You had red ones, white ones, and blue ones. And there was like two sizes. That was it. And you built a fucking square perimeter and tried to put a roof on it. You didn't have all the <laughs> shit that you have today. And so, I mean, we basically, me and my cousins, we tried to put as many together as long as we could. And then we would sword fight with them. That's when we played with Legos. And they were pretty weak. They didn't stay together very well like that. So we moved on. What about what about you, Albert? What do you think? Do you think that um, do you think it's 
better to be like what Tony's done and grown up on a farm and be outside or are you sort of more f- for staying inside playing with Lego? <laughs> I mean, I'm, all, I'm, all for, I'm all for going outside. I mean, yeah. I did. I mean, I played outside a lot like when I was a kid, but I mean, Legos were still a big part of, you know, my youth too, but it was just always building stuff. You know, if it was building stuff outside or building stuff inside, like I was like a pretty active kid, but I think something like Legos for me kind of like sparked the creativity, um, you know, as a younger kid, but you know, then I, you know, you get older and you get into different shit, you know, like first it was Legos. Then I got into, I was building like, um, like remote control airplanes, you know, like you'd get a kit and you'd assemble the whole thing. And yeah, that's good stuff right there. Mm. Like I did that. Then I flew the planes for a little while. Then I got into, um, like, uh, skateboarding and I was like building ramps and, uh, I learned how to weld, like, I uh, made, like, a rail for skateboarding, and then um, I got into car stereo stuff, and and then from car stereo stuff, it went into cars, and it's just, like, I guess my my dad kind of always pushed, like, tech-type stuff on me, um, or, I don't know, any kind of educational math-science-type stuff like that, and, I mean, it rubbed off, for sure, but... Um, did you Did you ever do a BMX? I did not do BMX. I was basically too much of a pussy to do BMX. Uh, I was going to say, we loved building ramps. I mean, when you said ramps, we would stack shit up with plywood and then hit it full speed on our bicycles. And it's a wonder we're not all dead. But they weren't even, they, were, they weren't even, my brother, he held the longest jump distance in a long time. But this, this is Nick, or Jody met Nick, and he rode barefoot. And he rode in jogging shorts, and he had a banana seat on his fucking bicep, <laughs> on his Schwinn. God. And one time he got, he, when he broke the record, he jumped so far and so long, but the banana seat kind of impaled his, his bunghole when he landed because he was <laughs> vertical. And, and even though we were super excited that he broke, that because we're all measuring with chalk where he landed, he just threw the bike down and walked so slow into the house with tears running down his face he didn't even want to hear it he, he fucking hurt i mean I, it was it was bad but yeah eventually, eventually he came out and looked at this chalk line and then he went back in the house and sat on the couch okay, like today no, Did he have kids yeah, it was it was temporarily you know i was you know probably about a 30 minute ordeal he was in some serious pain but that was some good times. Oh How about you, Boomer? Did you do BMX? Did you do jumping ramps? Yeah, we we had a when I was a kid, we had a lot of kids that lived in the neighborhood. So we did we did ramps. Um, there was some some uh, like dirt jumps up the street on like an empty lot. Yeah. And then uh, we had uh, some family property that was like ten minutes from our front door, just on the edge of town. We had a couple hundred acres, so we were always out there. Riding wow. dirt bikes and hunting and, you know, I I don't know how many cords of wood I cut up when I was a teenager for gas money and shit. <laughs> um, but no, I had Legos too because, I mean, I was one of the – I was always outside, but you can't always be outside, you know, if mm-hmm. it's raining or something. Um, so I had Legos and then I would – did you guys – did you – would you build what was on the box and follow their directions, or would you just Fuck build no. your own thing? No way. I, ne- I never had that shit. That's what I was saying. Mine oh, okay. was just bulk, 
It was like bulk squares and little squares and bigger when squares. I had, and maybe a chimney. When I had them on like the front, <laughs> on the front of the box, there would be like, here's what this set builds, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you would open it up and it would have the directions. You put this one here and then you stack that one on top. And then on the back of the box, it was all this other stuff that they had built from the same set. And usually that stuff was like cooler than what the the other one or what the directions had you build. So you mm -hmm. had to look at it and, and try to build it, you know, and see how they did it. And so I would usually, the first run through, I would build what the set was built for. And then I would try to build the stuff on the back. And then they just went in. I had this big, uh, like, Rubbermaid container. It was probably, like, two feet by two feet by, like, a foot tall. And it was about half full of Legos. And so I could build pretty much anything out of that collection. But um, that, that was fun. And then, yeah, BMX, taking my part of bike apart. Um, yep. And then you get into dirt bikes and you, you learn how to, you know, change your ring out, um, you know, how to tension you know, your chain, do all that stuff. One of the things I learned in BMX and by accident and then it was kind of interesting was changing the front sprocket, whether I was going to be riding on my cul-de-sac and jumping ramps or whether we were going to be riding on the Frisbee disc golf course and up and down hills and having a couple of different Rockets that I could, you know, take off and slide over the cranks and change the ratio. I mean, it was really interesting to get on there and pedal this and realize, wow, I can go straight up this hill with this super ass small sprocket, or wow, I can get going way faster than my friends on the street with this big sprocket. And that was yeah. pretty interesting thing to figure out. And on a bike, it only takes a couple teeth. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly. it doesn't need to be a huge difference. I I remember um getting a a, a Technic Lego set. Uh, I, so I said like so the when I said I didn't build anything from the box that's not not true because I got this this really fancy fucking car for Christmas uh, a Technic Lego one and it took me ages to build it it was massive and then within an hour of me finishing it I put it I went up to the top of the stairs and I just drove it straight off the top of the stairs so it would blow up into a million pieces just so I could build it again that's brilliant. <laughs> and wow. that's that is that how you machine today yeah pretty much yeah but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Sorry. I, I, I went on to windows after that i said ah oh, windows, I'm windows. <laughs> did, did, did any of you guys ever used to go to like the toy and model or whatever and, and go buy i know albert said he did planes and so did i but you guys were you guys avid model builders because I did that instead of Legos. I'd go I, buy an old Mopar or an old Chevy or something and paint it and follow the directions and build the engine. And the, I loved it when you had different options of what rims to put on it and shit like that. That was my thing. I did a couple of, like, the snap-together models and where mm -hmm. everything was already, like, painted and everything. But I never did the one of the ones that you glue together and you have to paint everything. That just yeah. seemed a little, a little too tedious, I think. We used to make fun of the kids that did snap the other models. Uh, I bet you did. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did, actually. <laughs> I, could, I could see that now. <laughs> you know what? I will say this. Actually, one of the shops that I worked at, we had a whole deburr section, you know, a private room where they did all these you know, angled holes, went in another hole, and then deburred these trap doors. And they were all underneath microscopes and shit. Matter of fact, Katie did a lot of that stuff also for some Hewlett Packard projects they had. 
but they were looking to hire a couple of newbies and train them. And one of the kids that came in brought in a 63 Impala that he did. It was a, a model that he built from scratch. And he just didn't, you know, build it exactly the way that it said, you know, was color this, that, and the other. He kind of tricked it out. He actually sanded the plastic by hand and broke the edges and just detailed it. But he, he brought it in and he showed the boss. And the boss goes, can you believe this? Why is he bringing this mod? I go, well, he's showing you that he's good with his hands. He's got attention to detail and there's not a burr on this thing. And everything's perfectly put together and lined up and the hood opens and I'm impressed. He goes, you know, I didn't think of it like that. So that's actually a pretty good observation. And they ended up hiring a kid. Yeah, because oh, wow. when you snap that's those cool. pieces out of the the mold, I mean yeah. they always got that a little tab on them or something. A hanger. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well we made uh we made our first little go-kart, the girls and I, the other the other the other day and they said, uh, what about brakes? <laughs> <laughs> what about brakes? <laughs> and I said, brakes are for pussies. <laughs> That's, you use your feet. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, you got to put your feet down. They went, oh, oh, well, do I need to have a helmet on? I went, what? <laughs> Just get in the go-kart. But they wouldn't get in it. They wouldn't get in it until I'd been down on it first. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what if this does actually fall to pieces? And and then I thought, well, I should probably definitely test it then. So yeah, I went down the I went down the hill and almost ran off the side and uh, buckled the wheel at first. So I had to then repair it straight away. <laughs> 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 nice. Yeah. But that's kind of stuff that we were talking about. Like you know, your your parents they they're the ones that sort of put the seed in. I mean, you can. I think you can sit there and play with Lego and sort of uh, mess around with the bike or whatever, but quite often your your parents sort of push you a little bit down that way without sort of intentionally doing so, do you think? Yeah, I yeah. do. My my dad was a telephone guy for a long time, and he had all different types of old phones and shit that were just parts. But anyway, he we built a workbench for me down in the basement next to his, and one of my favorite things to do was get just a screwdriver, a straight, and a Phillips, and maybe a crescent wrench and some parts. Just take shit apart. See how it's put together, you know? Mm-hmm. That's amazing, just taking shit apart in a million pieces. It was fun. Yeah, I got to agree with you on that one, actually. Uh, I don't mean to, to interject, but that totally reminded me of a like a, a thing that I did when I was a little kid. Um, I, you know, I mentioned I was into, like, remote-controlled planes, and I got into remote control cars too, and uh, I got one of those like RC10 uh, remote control cars. They were like pretty advanced. It wasn't like some piece of shit box from like you know Target or whatever. You right. had to, like put the whole car together. And I remember that there was um, I don't know, you know, you drive the fucking thing around like a kid, like a little dipshit, and you crash it into stuff, and you try to jump it off of shit, and it breaks. And uh, like there was just this grinding noise coming from the gearbox. And I was pretty young at this point. I must have been like, I don't know, maybe 10 or something. And I couldn't figure out what it was, but I wanted to fix it. So I ended up taking this whole thing apart. And it was, at the time, it seemed pretty daunting and complicated um, to take apart like a like a little miniature gearbox. But I took it all apart, and I couldn't find anything wrong with it. And I put it all back together, and it worked fine. So, like, you know... Did I? I didn't really learn what went wrong with it, but I did spend the time to tinker with it, and I figured out how to like thread a bolt in, 
or mm-hmm. the order that you assemble things in. And just, it's like, you don't even realize that you're learning this stuff, but you are just from tinkering with it. Yeah, you're right. And when you start at an age like that and you're taking like a screwdriver and one, you're learning which way the screw is supposed to turn. And two, if mm-hmm. you turn it too far, you're going to strip it out. I mean, there's people today that's trying to change an insert with a threading bar with a seven, mm. a seven, number seven Torx and they don't know how to use it right. Or they're just like, well, I had it under kind of cricket, and now the screw won't come out. Oh, well, no shit. You know, if your dad taught you how to take apart something and you had the, the screwdriver in there straight and perpendicular and holding it right, and, and you get a feel for when things are tight, just tighten up, don't over torque it, don't give it the white knuckle grip. I mean, there's so many things you need to learn. And when you start young like that and playing with stupid shit this you know you I'm not saying your car was stupid albert but like me i was <laughs> old, old telephones yeah. and stuff that, that made no sense just taking it apart to see what's inside of it yeah you you get the feel for that and it's just something that happens and, and the feel for the tools that you need yes. to, to be able to do that yeah my uh my youngest daughter heidi she had this project at school you know and she was six they and they said okay you need to get just something from home that doesn't work anymore you need to take it apart and then try to reassemble it into something else using other materials to make it into whatever the hell you want. And that was really cool. So we gave her this little stereo box and she just took the whole thing to bits. And then she just started screwing things together here and said, oh, you know, it ended up being some fucking time machine thing or something. You know, it was it was some bizarre fucked up thing. But it was cool to see her. Just, just sitting there, and I gave her all the different screwdrivers, and she's like, okay, I've got to use this one to take that out, and what happens if I pull this? I'm like, oh, you might break it, but that's okay. Let's just have a look. And she loved it, and I think that's that. sometimes it doesn't have to, like you said, Tony, it doesn't need to, you don't specifically need to be taking something apart because of something. You're just doing it because it's fun to do. Yeah, you're, you're right, and it's like I remember working on our bicycles, like I was talking to Shane about when we were kids and there's a difference like you know if i was going to raise my handlebars up my dad taught me to go to the toolbox and grab the half inch wrench but yet if i'm over at my neighbor's house and he wants to raise his handlebars up he's grabbing a pair of fucking vice grips it's Mm. all depends on on how you were taught whether you're grabbing the proper tool or you're just grabbing something that'll get the job done he could get the handlebars up but the next time you went to use it he's going to have to use vice grips from now on till the rest of his life because he just totally (laughs) screwed that thing up and it's like that evolves into machining and how people approach it and how they change their tools and how they take care of the equipment and just the maintenance in general and it's i you know i don't know i mean lego seems to be pretty popular with a lot of people and, and i'm not dissing legos i just I guess one is because of my age. Like I said, it's we were working on a lot of other stuff. And I just think that uh, getting your hands on in the basic tools and learning how to use them right. You know, uh, one of the people that pops into my mind when I'm talking about this now is, is, is Katie's been around me for 20 some years now. And, you know, whether we're out in the garage and working on shit or this, that and the other or in the shop. And she kind of knows when something doesn't look right and grab or will grab the right tool or doesn't want to fuck something up and it's not that i've ever said that don't do it like that that's stupid or you know you're an idiot if you grab this type of wrench it's just i guess 
when people have a, a brain and they want to do things effectively and you're a good teacher and you're just doing things like you normally do and people watch you, then uh, it, it kind of, they kind of learn it, you know, and then the one guy I have working with me now, he's not a rocket scientist by any means and he barely speaks English, but he's got good hands and he doesn't over tighten shit and he knows when a corner of an insert looks worn and when it needs to be changed and, and that's, that's money ahead if you can find a guy like that that would rather take the time to look at it and take it out. And if it's, oh, it's still got some life in it, put it back versus these guys that just keep on pressing the go button. And all of a sudden you're starting fires in an oil machine. It's sorry. I'm rambling. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> you know what? I got to say, dude, I, I love I love that Katie messes around with stuff in the garage and is like tinkering and working on projects like that's so fucking cool, man. You're so lucky that she's into that stuff. Yeah, she's oh. working on some other stuff. That's why we went to Home Depot yesterday, so she could scout out some lumber and see what prices were on certain tops. But she's going to build a, a corner desk for her, one of the machines I got her for Valentine's Day. And, yeah, she's chomping at the bit. She just got done doing our dining room and putting up some paneling and some wainscoting type stuff up. She'll post a picture when she gets done painting. But, yeah, she really oh, digs that shit. Well, well yeah. I was going to say, like from what I've seen, it's, it's not that Katie's tinkering. It's actually she's building – and finishing projects that look bloody amazing at the end. Exactly. They look amazing. Yeah, I'm impressed too. She, she she likes it and she's doing a good job. That's why I, I don't I, I like buying her her own Makita. I like buying her her own sander and stuff mm. that she can you know use and put away. And yeah, she digs it. Yeah, that's cool. She uh, does she let you help? No, nah, no, and I don't ask to. Uh, I'll, if she asks for advice, I will give her my opinion. But I am not a woodworker by any means. I tend to ask Tony. I tend to um, <laughs> overbuild things. So anything that I build, a bull could stand on. And yeah, I overdo shit, and I make things too perfect. So I always get kicked out of wood shop. Machinist way. <laughs> exactly. That is yeah. Machinist way, man. That is. I uh, the first the first deck that I built, I uh, I had the same problem. I I decided, you know, again, the machinist way, you end up over-specking everything. And this thing must have cost me probably four times more than it should have done <laughs> because I put so many I put so many piles into the fucking ground that my mate turned up and he said, what the fuck? <laughs> you could have landed a helicopter on that thing? What the hell's going on? I, went, <laughs> exactly. I said, no, no. And he goes, Jesus Christ, man. And he goes, you, and you've wasted all this material now. And I was like, oh, calm down. Fucking hell. I didn't know. I just thought this is how you're supposed to do it because that's how I wanted to do it. And then, mm-hmm. and then you're right. You learn th- through other people hey every little project that i get involved with it's like i just go overkill with everything and like i I like it because i enjoy like the process of building stuff still Mm -hmm. i I mean anything like whether it's woodworking or metal fabrication or machining or whatever like i still enjoy the process but um you know it's it makes it difficult to like work with other people like i couldn't build a house for a living because it would take me nine fucking years right everything's got to be perfect and it's like i remember i was working with these framers uh that came out and they helped me like reframe part of my house and they were so fucking fast they were so speedy with framing everything and cutting everything and working together and it was awesome to see them working so quickly but their phrase was an inch in wood is good and i I just like 
I was just cringing on the inside. And I was yep. like, Jesus Christ. Like, can we maybe bring that down to like a quarter of an inch or some <laughs> shit? Like, yeah. it's not that difficult. Like a fucking drunken sailor could do that. But, uh, you know, my, my builder mate, he says to me, he goes, it's not building. It's hiding. <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah. He says, it says, because oh, no, at the end, it's all about the finishing. He said, you know, mm-hmm. to, I don't mean like, you know, it can't be fucking four inches out, but like they're, they're basically saying you can with wood, you can get things to a certain certain point. But it's really about the very, very finish, because that's when you're going to get your clean lines and everything else. And 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 I'm the same as you, Albert. I'd go. Yeah, but surely it must be much easier if everything's already like perfect. you know cut Neat perfect it. yeah exactly yeah yeah so I, I i follow a bunch of different like um like construction and you know builders pages and stuff like that because i find that stuff fascinating and mm. a lot of those guys talk about respecting the other trades and i think that that's pretty cool you don't see it a lot you don't you don't get to like see a lot of crews that that respect the other crews trades because most people are like kind of in out wham bam thank you man on, on to the next job but when you do respect the other trades and you can work well with them, I feel like the finished product ends up becoming a better product. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, agree. I don't know. I know my neighbor, he, he, he does a lot of stuff, wood projects. He's been, he's built this cabin and all other kinds of shit too. And he's helped us with a lot of things because we, me and Katie don't really know about certain things, but I'm always willing to help. And, and, and I always catch flack from him and, and, and sometimes Katie too, when I'm, I'm doing shit too perfect, or I'm, I'm actually measuring the board and cutting it, and it's probably within ten thou. And these guys just like, yeah, that's not how you do this. And that's I go, I get it because you know you guys, the wood guys, they're there for a reason, and they get shit done, they get it done fast. Mm-hmm. But I either overbuild or perfect. And when you're a perfectionist, I don't know what all machinists are that way or not, but there's like you know there's things that if I can't do it perfect, then I just assume don't do it at all. I mean, if it has to be done, I'm on my own projects. If it has to be done or it's for a customer, then I'll do it and I'll do it right. But, you know, there's there's things that I'm doing for myself. And, you know, it's like I'd rather do it right or not do it at all. I don't think that just because it's wood means that you. it's like an excuse to be inexact with it. I look mm-hmm. at it like it's just a different medium. You know, it's a, it's not canvas. It's a chalkboard or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's just right. a different medium. Stop the podcast. Hey guys, did you know that we have our own blog page now? And on it, we've just added a free quote calculator. It's an Excel spreadsheet, but it is ready for you to jump on, download, and play around with it. And hopefully, it sort of spits out some numbers and you'll be well away into the world of monetary awesomeness. Uh, to go and find this, either click on our Instagram page, which is Machinist Therapy Hotline, and uh, click on the link in our bio, or look for themth.blogspot.com. So, let's get on with the podcast. Just jumping back, going backwards now. The uh, a part of the question we had on the MTH was about this 
game slash technological whatever. Um, Minecraft. Yeah. Which is like a digital version of Lego, uh, is my understanding. I've never played it, so I don't, I can't, I, I, I literally don't know okay, anything. I think I was thinking of Minesweeper. Yeah, <laughs> that's old school. Yeah, I've seen I've seen Jazzy Jazzy's played Minecraft before, and she was building shit and stuff like that too. You know, I think I think that may, and I don't. First of all, let me just preface this by saying I don't know shit about Dick about Minesweeper, but I think Minecraft. the element, my, <laughs> Minecraft, whatever. Like the aspect that you get to do this like alone, like without anybody like looking over your shoulder or whatever, like not in a group setting, like. Maybe that's like a little bit less intimidating for some people, especially like girls, because um, it, you know, I think that engineering and you know a lot of science type trades or even building trades and stuff like that, it tends to be pretty male dominated. So I got to mm-hmm. imagine that for a girl to get involved with that kind of stuff, you know, it'd probably be pretty intimidating. I would think. Do you think that that type of technology now? makes it easier for a more diverse spread of people wanting to be creative you mean easier instead of getting a box of legos yeah because i, I kind of so. think i kind of think that's where things have gone and one your video and two you're you're on the the tv or the computer screen so the fact that if there's a person playing that minecraft game versus like what me and Albert would be doing, racing each other on motorcycles or something other, and not really creating anything, but just trying to see who is the fastest. I think are you, that. Hang on, are you making something to eat, Albert? Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> 9:30. I haven't eaten dinner yet. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I just, just maybe mute your mic so we do can't you, hear uh, you. Do you want some? I can make some extra. <laughs> I mean, the reality is, is that we're people and we have busy lives just like everybody else. We are not doing this in the studio. Like, this is some real shit right here. Right Thirty at night. But we're here for the people. We are here for the people. All right. Okay. Sorry, Tony. Sorry, Tony. That's all right. So, Let's continue. Um, yeah, I think it is a creative way. I think it's the same thing, only it's just in video form and on the screen. And, you know, I've watched the girls. My, I think all three of my girls have probably done that. But another thing that, I'm not to go off on a tangent here, but something I've enjoyed even more. Are you familiar with Sims, Jody? Yes, yes. Okay, so where you, have, you build a house or you have these people and you move these people around and you have to go and clean your toilet when flies are swarming around it and you have to go get a job and you have to eat. I enjoy watching the girls do that. Not so much, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm going off on tangent here, but I mean, if you can make your people on TV live and you get them a job and you and you can clean your toilet and you can shower and you have to interact. I mean, that's part of the game, too. You have to talk to people and play music. I mean, that kind of encourages real life activities. I mean, everybody needs to know how to clean a toilet, right? Yeah, but it must it must be much easier to clean a toilet on the computer than it is in real I'm life. Sh- <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> Dude, that's what that's what I don't understand, man. Like that's like it's like a it's like a life simulator for real life. Like why don't you just fucking live real life? Or like maybe your parents should actually make you clean the toilet because 
you broke your RC car or something, jumping a big ramp or something, and yeah. that'll teach you to take care of your shit, and then you'll learn how to clean up your shit. Yeah, I used to curse the, the parents for them making us learn how to make our own bed with hospital corners or how to clean the toilet or how to clean the shower or the sink or the mirrors. But you know what? I mean, those were some vital lessons learned. Mm. And, and, and I, I love, you know, having our house clean. And I like a bed that's made when I leave in the morning. And then that type of shit, when you come home and it's already done or the, the table in the dining room doesn't have a shit ton of stuff scattered all over it, the keys and hats and dog leashes or whatever. I mean, if you have stuff cleaned up, put away, the sink is not full of dishes. I mean, it's just... It's just stuff that you're supposed to do, and nobody wants to do it. Nobody really enjoys doing it, but it needs to be done, and you just mm. can't leave it for somebody else to do. That was a tangent. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, <laughs> we went from online Lego or Minecraft to, to cleaning the toilets. <laughs> I guess, that's what uh, we do here. It's just what we do. That's <laughs> why so just clean the fucking toilets. <laughs> like Albert said, this is the real shit, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> this is the real shit, and you got to clean up your own shit. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I do wonder, I do wonder though if for us, let's, you know, because it's always about us, obviously. Uh, like for us, it, it, all of this seems uh, to me, it seems odd, you know. But more and more kids are doing that type of gaming and and online stuff. I still hope that. You know, regardless of what the uh, format or medium is, is that you still end up with people that want to make stuff at the very end of it. You know what I mean? So if if someone gets off on playing stuff on Minecraft and on building things, and then at the, you know once they start, once they get to I don't know 13 plus, and they go, oh, actually, I don't want to just make it in the computer now. I want to make it outside. That's actually a good thing, isn't it? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, there's people. People are different, and I, I struggle with the, the way things are today. And like I said, you know, take my take me way back to where I first called out the first CAD cam baby. You know, I'm still the guy that stands out in front of the machine and, and does shit in front of the machine. But you know what? I mean, I think you guys saw that last mill part that I made. I was like, it, I can't do all these angles and radiuses and all this shit and mill out of a square piece of stock. And then I needed to mill my vice jaws the same as I just milled that part so I could flip it over and deck the backside. I mean, I'm not going to figure that shit out with my finger and my calculator. And so I forced myself to sit down in front of the cam system and, and, and draw it. I was ecstatically thrilled that I actually was able to fucking draw it. And then once <laughs> I drew it, I was trying to figure out how to get the tool to go around it. And I did that. And it was like, um, yeah, it, if you do that every day and you get used to it, it's fucking fast. And it's fucking yeah. effective. I mean, it, it really is. And then that, if you have a little flaw, you just run back to the computer, you change it, you repost it, and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's done. But, uh, you know, that's why I, I kind of – this kind of touches on the whole kids playing with Minecraft and learning how to do things on the screen. It's it, I think everybody is learning a little bit differently. And it's – you know, I'm not going to find those kids or these guys or these teenagers that, you know, roll up and want to – work in your shop and have a job and whether they rolling up in a hot rod that they worked on or a motorcycle that they built or something like that i mean it's they're going to show you different things that that they've learned or or how they think that they could help you out and so it's just 
you know, it's kind of different for me because yeah. I'm like I yeah, said, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 totally. So you I mean it could be that there's a there's a really great hidden machinist in somebody that actually has just been basically playing on the computer for a while because they know how to get all of that stuff to work and it work then on your machine. Do you know what I mean? Like in a in a, yeah. in a quicker fashion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly I know, right. I mean, you know, it, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt here, but you mentioned like the like the whole great hidden machinist thing here, and it kind of reminded me of my one employee. He he's doing programming now. Um, he's been doing programming for probably like two years with me, and uh, he you know he didn't have any experience prior to this, but like. I knew he was into building stuff and I knew he was into tinkering. Like he was into cars and uh, building like, like motorcycles and stuff like that, which, you know, I'm not personally into it, but I respect the fact that somebody is into it on the level that he was into it. And, you know, I could see it's like when this kid has like a problem put in front of him, he like figures it out, wraps his head around it, you know, and I ended up sending him to like a master camp training class. You know, when I first hired him on, actually he was like, he was kind of struggling a little bit and you know, I was, I just kind of felt like maybe he wasn't being challenged enough cause I knew he wasn't like a dumb guy. And so I, I sent him to this master cam training class and honestly he took to it like a fish to water. And I think that he really enjoys machining now and the challenge of machining and figuring stuff out. And he just likes figuring that stuff out on, on its own. And I mean, if you're, if you're any kind of a problem solver or have a problem solving personality, like, I think it's a good fit for, for somebody, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you know, it's, you guys are aware that I've had all three of my girls at one time or another work in the shop for extra yeah. money or just summer yep. money and stuff like that. And lately we've That's had so jazzy. Great. Yeah. And we've had jazzy there, you know, during the summer or now that she's kicked out of college and, and she comes home and does her stuff online, but I've had her in the shop and you know, they are more susceptible I mean, their their brains are there to teach. And it's like she kind of, you know, this stuff that she does on computers or the stuff that she can even get, work her way around on her iPhone 10 times better than, than I can. But I run scheduled programming on my machines at the shop. So if I've got an LC10 and I've got a, a program running the upper turret and the left spindle and I got a program running the bottom turret and the right spindle and then I got a program that runs the whole pass off the transfer. And then I have a program that runs the whole loop one time. So there's N1, N2, oh. N3, and N4. That's how I run all my LTs all the time. And so That's when she, what we'll do is we'll set up a bar. If I cut a bar 32 inches long, I calculate that it'll make, you know, 28 pieces with a two inch rim. So I will call up and tell it that run N1 28 times. And then when it stops and it doesn't loop anymore, then it, you push the button, you'll get a red light. You know you're at the end of that cycle. And so you'll yeah. take the bar rim out and put a new one in. Well, instead of having her come and get me every time she needed to reselect N1, I started teaching her. I said, well, we've got to go to auto. We've got to go to schedule program select. We've got to go to number search. We've got to go to N1. We've got to enter into... And, you know, at the end of the day, she's over there typing all this shit in like it ain't no thing and loading new bars and running stuff. And the guy that I have operating next to me, I mean, like I said, he's a good guy and he keeps attention on the inserts and stuff like that. But he's just not there with the whole touching the screen and, and dialing things up and entering and selecting and, and that type of stuff. Because well, you, good, good on you, by the way, for developing like a good 
format for how you run things because mm. when you put that work in up front, that makes it easier to teach other people stuff. Oh, which is fuck yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, well, it's like a ton of work on the front end, but it, fuck, that's like a brilliant strategy that you're using. That's the first way I was taught from the lead guy back in Charlotte. He was the lead, you know, um, apps engineer, and he came out and spent a week with me out in Santa Rosa, California, and that's the way he showed me. And a lot of people look at what I do it now and laugh, but then like. I don't even understand it. I don't even know how to make your run. I go, no, well, once you learn no. it, once you learn it, it's really nice. And like I told Jody, I said, the first thing that a machine does is it sends everybody home to a safe position. The yeah. upper turret goes home. The bottom turret goes home. Both yeah. go home. There's no crashing anything anywhere. And then it takes off. And what I also wrote in the beginning of my program for the upper turret and the lower turret, I put a command in there. I said, if this variable is not on then alarm out and it's basically the coolant button has to be on if the coolant button's not lit the fucker's not going to go you're going to get an alarm and it says turn the coolant on because you know how many times guys go in there and adjust their coolant nozzles to get it right on the tip of the drill or right on the tip of the insert and like yes i got it and then they forget to turn it back on run it. <laughs> complete meltdown well I've, yeah. done, I've been there i've done that so with this yeah. one line in there if that coolant light isn't on, it just gives you a quick alarm. You turn the light back, you turn the coolant on, you hit reset and go. And uh, but anyway, back to my story. She picked it up within like 30 minutes. And so even Katie was looking at her. She's all, you're letting her do all that? I go, she's got it, man. She dialed. She knows when yeah. the bar's done and we're ready to load a new one. So yeah, I mean, it obviously speaks to her being pretty sharp, too, because, like, you've got to kind of understand the bigger picture. you got to kind of understand, like, what the cnc machine is doing and like i i gotta say like it doesn't it doesn't click for every employee always right away or even ever to be honest mm, true and if it, if it doesn't you know then i don't know you can lead a horse to water right i think the worst the worst ones are the guys that have let's say uh, have been running a mazak and then they come to a shop full of akumas and then they're constantly mm. comparing it always to the machines that they used to run, not the machines that they yeah. should be learning to run. That is that is a f- absolute frustration of mine. They go, oh yeah, but you could do this in this other machine. Like, yeah, that's great, but we don't have one of those machines. How about you just learn this one? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> well, that's good though. Put it, put in all those safety checks in place. That's yeah, that's that's awesome because you're right. You you got to put it. You get all that stuff up front, and it's going to save you later on. Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Have you guys, you might not have heard of this, Jody, because you're in New Zealand. I don't know if Albert's heard of it or not, <laughs> but hold on. Listen, hang with me. Every night at eight o'clock, and it's happening right now, people open their windows, their doors, and they howl. And they're howling loud to say thank you to the first responders. Thank you for all the nurses and doctors that are working through all this crap. And on my side of the neighborhood has been getting louder and louder every night. And it went from like one minute to like five minutes to like, I mean, we're talking houses all around the neighborhood. People are just yelling like this werewolves. Is Kai, dude. This no, is you, No, it's not. It's the whole fucking <laughs> You just United got all the, you're in the Mendocino Triangle there. It's 420 <laughs> today, buddy. <laughs> that must be why it's extra loud. <laughs> have you have you heard of that What's at that? all? No, I didn't actually until now, although uh, I think uh, two days ago, uh, my neighbors were setting off sticks of dynamite in their yard. Jesus, that's extreme. I shit shit you not. What? It was so loud, (laughs) I 
like I came out to the front of the house, really expecting <laughs> to see like this plume of smoke somewhere. I didn't see anything, but sure enough, like 15 minutes later, this set off a fucking another one. Fucking wild. Was this at eight o'clock? Um, I don't remember the time to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's very important. Oh, I didn't realize that was a very important part of it. Yeah, eight o'clock is when you have more set up dynamite up here in Chicago. I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a bit different in Chicago, eh? <laughs> you know, very no extreme. Yeah, right. I heard I heard of people like coming out and clapping their hands for the you know the nurses and doctors or whatever. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. But howling, that's different. <laughs> exactly. Should we do it? Like when we stop podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go, guys. <laughs> oh, I think we should. We've reached the end of episode 26 of Machinist Therapy Hotline, and we'd like to thank everybody that's listening today. Uh, we really appreciate that you tune in to us and listen to our ramblings. So, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Tony. No problem. Thanks, Albert. You're welcome. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, Shane. No worries. You're welcome. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Unfortunately, Shane's just left the building. So. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. This episode was too boring for him to stay on. Mazak school. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> anyway, until next time, thanks ever so much, and we'll see you then. Bye. Adios. <laughs>